You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. This is episode number 411. Happy New Year. If you are listening to this in real time, live, I'm happy that you are here. And we're going to be diving into a topic that I am that's pertinent for the new year for sure. But it's something that I have been really wanting to dive deeper into for quite some time now, and that is adaptogens. Quite frankly, they're a little confusing. It's a lot of information out there about them, and there are a lot of companies trying to make adaptogens (laughs) and adaptogen blends or adaptogen supplements. So I just kind of wanted to cut through the crap and get some advice and insight on adaptogens and how to use them from an expert. And that expert today is Mae Steigler. May serves as CEO of Organifi, maker of premium, great-tasting adaptogenic blends. May actually has a BS in animal science and nutrition. As an R&D scientist, she studied temperature monitoring to improve animal well-being, decreasing the overuse of antibiotics in the dairy industry and within our food system. Now serving as CEO and member of the founding team, May brings over 15 years of experience in the agriculture and health industry. She plays a she has played a key role in making the company Inc.'s 5,000 fastest growing company list and being awarded Forbes Great Places to Work more than four years in a row. She's a rock star. She does so much. She has a really cool background and she's very passionate about adaptogens. So we went over exactly how to take them and what you need to know and how to combine them and dosage and how do you know if they're working for you and which one should you use. So really tried to pack this one with actionable tips. So let's get to the interview. Well, welcome, May. I'm so thrilled to uh, have you on. This is going to be an exciting episode, and I'm I'm really excited to talk more about adaptogens because that has been, I feel like it's been a buzzword. It's been a thing that people have been talking about for a really long time. But even me personally, I don't know a lot about the science and how it works and dosage and all of that. So thank you so much for taking the time to jump on today. This is such a treat. Thank you for having me, Noelle. I'm excited to be here and for the planned conversation. Yeah. Okay. So first I have to ask, when you wake up in the morning, because this has been a conversation that I've had with my co-host quite a bit, are you drinking coffee or are you drinking adaptogens? So neither. I'm drinking miso soup. Okay. (laughs) Here's a curveball for you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Currently, my morning routine is having miso soup, but just as a um, non-GMO, typically actually a soy alternative. So we'll do like chickpea miso soup um, with my husband and I both and with some arugula. So it's like real basic, but we have that. It's kind of an adrenal support prior to coffee. We've seen a lot of clients and friends go through phases, especially as they're getting older and women especially, and myself, that begin to negatively react to coffee and caffeine, especially first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. And I love coffee. It is such a near and dear thing to me. My husband and I just adore it. And as part of our morning routine, he roasts own coffee. Like it's a big part of our lifestyle. So in order to make that sustainable, we yeah, have miso soup first thing in the morning. <laughs> Um, I love it. 
Yeah, it's, it's a really enjoyable morning routine and something that I just puts a little, um, especially minerals, um, some uh, important and healthy amounts of sodium, just some adrenal supporting nourishment yeah. prior to um, or before caffeine and, and allows us to really sustainably enjoy our cup of coffee next. Yeah, that's super interesting. I have been, as I have been aging, I find that I, All you know, that's worry. what you survived on in your 20s. And then you start to get closer to 40 and you're like, I can't even handle like a cup of coffee anymore without feeling jittery. And that's kind of, um, I feel like a lot of women struggle with that too, is, is how do I enjoy the ritual and the aroma of coffee healthfully, especially in this like chronically stressed state that I feel like the majority of especially those in the West Americans are dealing with on a day to day basis, we don't know how to manage our stress. So I love that you're taking you're being proactive with I'm going to actually enjoy my coffee, but I'm going to do it healthfully. And I'm going to start (laughs) nourishing my adrenals first. So that's really cool. And Um, where did you get the idea for that? Where how did you come up with that? You know, originally it was two friends of ours that did it um, as their morning routine. Uh, an older friend of ours, she was responding negatively to caffeine and same, similar situation. She really wanted to keep this part of her morning ritual and kind of just get to enjoy it longer. And so they started adding in some more restorative, nourishing, uh, kind of this this beautiful ritual in the morning with miso. Uh, definitely inspired by different culture and really cool to bring it in and really enjoyed. And they actually added like a lot more to it. So ours is very simple compared to what inspired us originally. And we went on a, a vacation with them and got to really enjoy it and experience it with them and brought it back and have kept it ever since. So they had like fresh ground or fresh, um, uh, yeah, ground ginger and way more in there than we do. So there's this extra. That's cool. Okay. So I want to jump into the supplement industry and just talking a little bit about marketing and stuff like that before we dive in deeper into adaptogens, because I do know that, man, there's a lot out there and there's a lot that's being said about (laughs) adaptogens and what's being said about supplements and what's said about superfoods. But a lot of times we don't really even know if like, how do we know what we're taking um, is actually has what it says it has on the label and that there's not extra filler and fluff and other things that are added. So Let's unpack first the marketing. What does the label organic actually mean? And is it important for certain supplements? Yeah, thank you. This is such a hot spot right now. I'm first and foremost, like very grateful that consumers in general are much more educated, much more aware, much more looking at this space than ever before. Being in this space for more than 10 years and uh, in the wellness industry in general, for more than 15, like this has transformed. 10 years ago, organic wasn't even in Costco, you know? So it's really cool to see that being much more widely, not just um, anticipated, but expected by consumers, which is great. And and fundamentally, like really believe in the direction the industry is growing, going with more consumer-focused um, supporting regulatory uh, movements here and, and opportunities in the supplement industry. But it is a really important space to keep an eye on as consumers, we add in a lot more supplements than ever before. And so when we look at the label, and this is something that as, you know, I'm in this conversation with my parents or my sister or my family or friends consistently. So it's one that's top of mind for me personally in our own household, you know, managing our health when we're taking supplements. And the label is going to 
be a combination of marketing and uh, relevant information. And so I think really importantly, being able to first know that when you're looking at a label, there's a combination. So part of it is just there's some claims on there, typically some benefit uh, communication and verbiage. And then there's also certifications. So really importantly, looking at the third party certifications that any product or supplement uh, is using. Always love third party testing. I think that's a really important one just to recognize that it's not the business themselves that are doing the testing. I think you really want to certainly at least minimum look for supplements that have a third party testing certifying body that's validating what's in the product uh, is truly there. And it's not the company themselves that are marketing and producing it. I think that's a really important um, specification on on just the quality kind of baseline that I'd be looking for. In addition to that, I still really find that I'll answer the question around organic. Uh, as we started the company Organifi and uh, even the business before that, FitLife TV, we really educated on the importance of organic. And I still really believe in that. Um, it's so much of my family heritage. Both my parents were huge advocates in even developing USDA organic and CCOF organic back in the 70s and really believe in just uh, sustainable practices for growing and processing food. And so a USDA or a you know certified organic label is really, really important. So looking for that, it's really it is more about how the food's produced and the soil and practices used to produce that food or ingredient item. And I still find that fundamentally important. It's totally a baseline now, as I'll mention. And beyond that, looking for additional certifications on supplements is really important. Yeah. We've covered kind of third-party testing, just saying, hey, what's in it is in it. It was tested by somebody else. And then the importance of USDA organic or CCOF organic, a certifying body that's saying this was also produce the ingredients in this product in a sustainable way. And I'll mention that, you know, USDA organic or organic in general does not, um, it basically bans the use of pesticides and herbicides as a production method. So the soils tested, the um, even how you uh, produce that crop is managed to not allow any use of herbicides or pesticides, which is really important for the soil health overall. And of course, the ingredients we're consuming. But they don't test for those things post, um, you know, like the product itself isn't tested for those things. So it's more about the practices in which something is produced at the farm level. Again, critical and very important. Um, there's one caveat there. And there's certain ingredients that cannot be certified organic. And those are ingredients that are not um, not coming from um a good example of that is like magnesium. You can't certify magnesium as organic or not. So I think it's one it's important to understand that when something can be certified organic, it's typically a crop, a commodity, um, a raw material or ingredient that's grown in the earth and, you know, either could be or could not be used um, with pesticides or herbicides different from a mineral or um, she legit or like, you know, some substance where like it doesn't come from growing it in, in a crop. <laughs> yes. So I think one differentiation that's important when we talk about organic. Uh, and then on top of that, I'll add one, one last thing is additional certification. So not typically like clean label certifications, which I really value as well, which is non-GMO certified. Um, it could be uh, dairy free. It could be uh, gluten free. All those things that say post-production, this has been tested for being free of these things. And those are typical clean label certifications. Many of them um, are typically like marketing badges, they could be seen as marketing badges, which aren't, which aren't necessarily a certification. So as a consumer, I look for certified gluten-free, certified dairy-free, different than um, maybe, a, again, a marketing slogan that would say, you know, dairy-free, and it's not a certification. So just a note, those are different mm -hmm. things. 
Um, and then our, our big one at Organifi that we really value is glyphosate residue free. And that's something I think we'll, we'll probably get into a little more detail here because it's a really important one that actually tests for um, any use of Roundup, um, which is a known um, herbicide. So over and above organic. And in the ingredients that cannot be tested for organic or not, we still actually test for glyphosate no matter what. Um, so we can kind of get into that. But that was a very long-winded answer, Noel, on the uh, label and uh, quality standards that I personally look for and, and educate my fam- kind of friends and family on this as well. No, I love that. I actually never really thought about the certifications that are pre versus post production. I think that that's really important. Also, making sure that what you're looking at is certified versus this just says it's gluten free, not like actually certified gluten free. Like that's a huge distinction that I honestly don't even know if I actually really thoughtfully look at. And um, good clarity, because like you, I never really thought about you can't certify organic like a rock, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) we'd like to, and this rock was organic. So I really appreciate that distinction. That was that was a good visual for me. Um, Glyphosate is something that has been talked about a lot. Honestly, the last few interviews that I have done, which have been very different interviews with different experts, have mentioned glyphosate. So. Why is it important that you test for glyphosate residue, especially when you're, you know it's already organic? Yeah, so what organic, what, what certified organic doesn't test for is if there is any um, cross-contamination that's happening. So if, for instance, there's an organic farmer that's using organic practices, they're not using pesticides or herbicides, following all the rules, you know, amazing farmer. Next to them is a, you know, unfortunately, um, maybe a farmer who is using a lot of pesticides and herbicides, and a lot of that drift is happening across the crop. So the end kind of harvested product and the ingredient, let's say it's corn or wheat or whatever it is, um, that's typically the highest, um, the products that are, the, I don't say products, I'll call them ingredients, the foods that are uh, most commonly uh, high glyphosate um, kind of containing and and typically used would be wheat, corn, soybeans, kind of typical commodity crops. They've most traditionally been, been unfortunately, the highest use of like uh, glyphosate. So if, if that's a farm next to an organic farm, a lot of that uh, glyphosate could be actually, unfortunately, contaminating the organic ingredients and organic uh, products. And so that could be in water. So unfortunately, it is a water soluble uh, herbicide. Mm-hmm. So yeah. water runoff, it can actually get unfortunately sequestered into clouds and rain glyphosate rain, <laughs> like a little scary, like doomsday. But we really uh, find it important to in a separate certification test our ingredients every quarter and not just once a year, but every quarter to ensure that they're passing a glyphosate residue free um, certification beyond just USDA organic. And again, why that matters is there's a ton of alarming research and kind of if if anyone's followed more of the Monsanto kind of legal issues that's been associated with causing cancer. So a carcinogen is highly, um, it's prevalent in kind of any non-organic and especially a GMO crop such as like soybeans, uh, wheat, corn, uh, oats even. And these are like really common ingredients in and mass, you know, food production systems. My background's in uh, big ag and I, you know, was working in animal health 10, 15 years ago now, actually. And so was really aware of kind of that farm level um, 
just focus on production rather than maybe focused on implications and quality and food system effects. And so very keen to see this change in our food system and recognizing it's going to be a big, um, we're up against quite a big uh, needed adjustment. It's going to take a lot of work because there's so much glyphosate in our environment, both in our water systems, our, you know, rain, (laughs) the air. Um, So it's a little scary for that reason. Yeah. I actually, when you were talking, I remember I had, a, I have a couple different friends who have said that their kids were really reactive and had like unexplained, um, like hives or skin issues. And it turned out in both of those cases that neighbors were using Roundup and their children had negative reactions to it. And even though their kids weren't really playing in, in the other yards, it contaminated their own yard and caused reactions for their kids. So I believe it. I believe that it's everywhere. And it's, what I mean, what happens if you do find glyphosate residue? Do you have to kind of stop? You you have a process for tracing back where it came from and and all of that because that sounds does sound like I mean that's an important headache, but it is a headache. Yeah, well, I mean, it's used so it's used in a couple of different ways, and I think first identifying where it's likely coming from. So your exposure to glyphosate, the first step would be removing that exposure. Uh, while there are some things to like detoxify the body of exposure to herbicides and pesticides, I, I don't have any necessarily clarity on what those would be at this point. In the future, I hope that Organifi helps consumers in that spot specifically detoxify from things like this. And our head of product is very passionate about it. So you can anticipate something in the future like that to support right in this spot. But initially, basically, it's used in two primary large ag ways, which is as a desiccant, which is a drying agent pre, pre-harvest. So let's say you're going to harvest corn, you'd spray glyphosate on the crops um, before you harvest them. It dries them, it makes it easy to harvest. Oh, then, and additionally, and in the most like common way, it's used as a, um, basically a GMO crop supporting weed killer. So for the, you know, basically corn that's, uh, has the, GMO um, but been genetically engineered to resist uh, glyphosate, it can be sprayed and all the weeds around it die, but the corn survives. So um, it's used in those two ways on in our food system. And then in addition, as you brought up, Noelle, it's also used on yards. So gardeners use it all the time. You'll see people using Roundup to kill weeds, you know, on their sidewalks and they've got, you know, two kids inside and, you know, the kids are playing in the yard and on the sidewalk. And so I think it's Right now, we're in a time of just gaining some awareness for the implications of that that we really haven't had for a long time, I think. Um, and so the general public, luckily, is becoming more aware of that and ideally using less of that in our daily lives and certainly consuming less of that directly because we're looking for products that are either glyphosate residue-free certified, which is ideal, or we know the source that they're grown in, maybe our local farmer's market, or minimally, it's you know USDA organic. Yeah. So I want to talk about adaptogens and shift gears. Um, what this is, <laughs> this has been an interesting thing for me as I've kind of weaned myself off of caffeine. I My personal story is I just was feeling so jittery and I became very anxious and I realized it was because of my morning cup of coffee and mm. it's, it's specifically when combined with like a high stress state, you know. And so I started kind of moving more towards adaptogens. When you look at the options for adaptogens, there's a lot out there. There are a lot of different ones. And there are a lot of, I find that a lot of times it's, you know, marketing as opposed to people really understanding what adaptogens they're taking. You can have them in pill form. You can have them in coffee form. You can have them in like, you know, liquid form. 
So talk to me about what exactly they are first and then how they're typically consumed. So I get really excited about adaptogens. So I'm already excited about this conversation. They, um, you know, we kind of stumbled on adaptogens at Organifi unknowingly. We were in like the superfood space and focused on like, you know, the amazing benefits of blueberries that Noah was talking about and integrating, you know, uh, chlorella and spirulina in your diet and not um, minding the taste, finding ways to integrate those really, really powerful foods uh, in an enjoyable way. That's the mission that we're on is making wellness and health easy and enjoyable and approachable, most importantly. And what's, you know, become a real key conversation right now is adaptogens. And as you mentioned, they're kind of everywhere, which is great. And I think defining them first as basically typically a plant-based source, uh, a key ingredient, a, um, a herb or oftentimes a mushroom that is aimed at and able to balance the body's state, uh, homeostasis. So bring the body back into homeostasis and specifically to support the body naturally balancing stress. So promote wellness through stress balancing. And I want to first kind of take a second to broaden the definition of stress. I think oftentimes we think about it psychologically and really common is eating, you know, too low calorie is a form of physiological stress, uh, emotional stress, right? In a relationship or a work environment that's overly stressful. Um, today's level of stress that humans experience is astronomical compared to, you know, maybe the occasional tiger we were running away from um, or something, you know, historically. So I think it's really been quite um, adaptive. And um, and even like a lack of sleep is a form of stress. Um, consuming foods that we don't digest well is a form of stress. So there's like the body is amazing. And I'm, I'm you know, just a total nerd about understanding how the body ultimately works. But it's incredibly intelligent and consistently, you know, second by second, millisecond by millisecond, balancing and maintaining a state of homeostasis. As we experience disease states or um, a lack of wellness in any way, uh, it's just simply out of balance and unable to maintain that homeostasis state of wellness. And as we age, uh, things that support us balancing stress become more and more important. And it's this adaptive stress response as adults that we have um, even more importantly than when we were kids. Uh, you know, you could stay up all night and you'd wake up the next day if you got an hour of sleep and you'd feel fine. Or like if you <laughs> ever like, you know, ran around all day. I don't remember being sore, you know, as a child. I never got yeah. like, sore as a kid. Uh, you don't like feel the repercussions of um, even alcohol as a young adult, as you do when you're older. And it's your body's adaptive stress response becomes more and more compromised. Uh, even our skin, right? It literally wrinkles our inability to maintain the right amount of collagen in our in our skin. So as we age, it becomes more and more important to understand how to integrate adapt adaptogens in our diet to help balance stress. So what happens when you actually consume adaptogens? Obviously, it's being digested and, and put into your bloodstream. But what, um, like on a physiological level, what are these mushrooms and herbs interacting with? Like what systems? Is it actually our endocrine system and helping to kind of support our body's stress response? Because I know that there are a lot of different ones, different adaptogens, and they all do different things. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the, the list. So no, it's, it's good. And I think, 
Um, most, I would say the system that it directly impacts is our hormone system. So it's all feedback loops and that's all basically maintaining a state of balance. So you can look at where kind of the point of impact most directly would be when we're out of balance, but it's likely our stress response. So cortisol being a master hormone, even our HPA access, right? Being a master kind of um, regulator of our state of wellness. Adaptogens are herbs and, and botanicals that basically directly impact our ability to maintain balance. And so that is typically the, the way in which they modulate cortisol um, and the balance in our master hormone cascades and feedback loops is kind of starting from that place. Um, ultimately, they're still just an amazing nutrient, uh, but they do interact with the body differently. And I always like to contrast stimulants versus adaptogens. And so you can look at the things we put in our body. Food is very much, I believe, medicine in every way. So mm-hmm. everything we consume is interacting with our, you know, metabolic system um, and, our, and impacting our hormone regulation, um, basically like environment in our body and our ability to maintain um, homeostasis, state of balance. If we take a stimulant and that could be, let's say like a, uh, a caffeine, Um, And it could also be uh, even a pharmaceutical stimulant that has impact on the body, irregardless of our current state. An adaptogen and and very um, in in a high contrast way, an adaptogen comes in and works with the body at its current state. So, for instance, if you currently have um, high adrenaline or I'll say high cortisol, if uh, let's say we'll compare each other, if I have high cortisol right now and I take ashwagandha, that ashwagandha will help balance and bring back into a um, a balanced state my cortisol level. Uh, so if, if my cortisol is high, for instance, when you take cortisol or you take an adaptogen like ashwagandha and your cortisol is low, it will help raise it to the balanced state. And I'm not saying high or low is inherently good or bad, but because it should go through a cascade right throughout the day. Um, but it does help. So the adaptogen does help bring it back into balance. So it's interacting highly and most directly with, uh, I believe, the hormone system in the body because that is the state of regulation that happens kind of most directly. If you struggle with chronic pain or muscle tension or even tightness from chronic stress, I have a new product for you from Bond Charge, and it quite possibly could change your life. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way, from blue light glasses to EMF management to their new infrared sauna blanket. Bond Charge has all the high-quality and effective products you are looking for. I use Bond Charge blue light-blocking orange glasses every night, starting two hours before bed, and I wear the computer glasses when looking at screens. Both of made such a massive difference in my headaches and sleep. And just last month, I finally invested in a sauna blanket from Bond Charge. I've had my eye on it for a long time because it's the most affordable one out there that provides high quality far infrared light in a convenient and easy to use blanket setup. I am now 100% a sauna blanket super fan. I look forward to it every night. I typically lay it out on my bed, hit the button to heat it up, and sit inside of it at night while watching TV after the kids go down. Far infrared light works by heating the body up directly, which speeds up your metabolism and sweat rate. It also relaxes muscles and reduces muscle tension. And I've already noticed a big shift in my soreness and chronic pain. Ultimately, it's an incredible way to support your lymphatic system and detoxification, which frankly, we all need to be more proactive about. You will feel relaxed, re-energized, and recover better. 
If you've been eyeing saunas, I couldn't recommend this more. And we have a deal which you will not find anywhere else. Go to bondcharge.com forward slash wellfed and use the code wellfed to save 20%. That's bondcharge, B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com forward slash wellfed. Use the code wellfed to save 20%. That's $140 off your very own sauna blanket. Yeah, I talk about stimulants a lot because caffeine in particular does not care whether you are stressed out or not. It forces your body to make more cortisol It just and adrenaline. And it doesn't matter if you're already uh, revved up and stressed, it's going to make more. So then you're going to feel those effects immediately. And, and, you know, the, the feeling afterwards or that kind of decline, which brings me to my next question. How long do adaptogens stay in the body or how long do they work before those effects wear off? You know, so I'm not aware of like a half-life. And that's an interesting perspective to consider. Like a stimulant, there is, right? So caffeine Mm -hmm. in the body for 6 to 12 hours, like, you know, the half-life, right, you're aware of. With adaptogens, because they're working on and with the system, um, I think it's really more like the dosage that matters. And so when we look at the research behind adaptogens, it's so important. And as you're consuming, even how you brought this conversation, like there's so many products out there, there's so much marketing around, like this coffee has all these adaptogens in it, but it happens to be like a, a three gram serving. So, you know, the max you're getting of like 45, you know, or not yes. that's an exaggeration, but let's say it's like five adaptogens, you're not getting a lot of each. And so I think really importantly as a consumer, Uh, And what I really enjoy is that there is at least now a good baseline level of research to show for what was studied, what the dose um, and and the time that they measured the effects of was. And so I think it's great to look at for ashwagandha, especially KSM 66, so commonly studied and so shared now across multiple products that use it, multiple companies, really looking at that 300 milligrams twice a day as the common dose. And then as we consider that as well, um, more so than probably the half-life of those, then it's really getting into the fascinating side of individualized wellness, which is like, hey, I'm, you know, less than 120 pounds and I'm a very small lady. If I'm looking at um, the research done, most of it was done on men that averaged 170 pounds and they took this for, you know, four weeks and they got this result. I should at least have that in the back of my mind as context. Um, as I then start to perceive the impacts and the benefit of this adaptogen as I start dosing with it. And what I really encourage folks to start with is just the really common kind of assessment that anybody can do to rate their level of kind of, I like say, satisfaction, which is like sleep, digestion, energy, even libido or mood. And if you just rate that on a scale of one to five to start and you start taking the, the, uh, the research dose of an adaptogen, giving yourself at least 30 to 60 days with that adaptogen to see if you've improved that area that you're trying to. So, I mean, give yourself the basic measurement to start your starting place and then your your planned benefit. If it's just stress in general, look for the place that that stress is leaking out in your lifestyle. Is it bad digestion? Is it poor sleep? Is it a crazy mood? You know, like what are the ways that you know stress is a problem for you? And then how would you plan to know if it's improved? And as you use an adaptogen, look to that place first. Do do the different adaptogens have different dose responses? So is it like ashwagandha is 
this this amount twice a day versus lion's mane is different or is it pretty much all within the same ballpark? No, it's totally different. And that's like, I mean, I think that's, uh, you can consider it similar to any supplement where you're like, you know, vitamin D, you're looking at, you know, um, 2000 to 5000 I use um, vitamin C, you're looking at, you know, 300 to whatever, 1000 a day or whatever. So I, I think being educated on which, and, and luckily, there's a lot of research out there. Again, it's not, um, it's not hard to find. And I think uh, looking at just some basic research for what was researched for the benefit starting there would be great. And then there's one nuance that I think is a little less simple to define, which is the standardization that was used. And so for instance, there's um, extracts often for adaptogenic mushrooms. So you could have a 10 to one or you know any kind of extract, a one to one, which is a really important factor to consider. And when you look at the research for the dose that you're aiming to to try, it's important. And so if you're taking a 10 to one extract or a one to yeah 10 to one extract be aware that if you're using the dose from a research study that was done for a one-to-one extract you're getting a tenth of the amount hmm. and so i think it's just really important to look at some of the standardization of whatever that adaptogen is in the research as context and as you're you know using a supplement or brand email them and ask them if they don't have it on the label so and that's just kind of the fun and kind of curious part and more of the scientific part of integrating adaptogens into your lifestyle. Okay, so combining adaptogens, is it a good because you're getting into a lot of different benefits, like say I have stress, but I also want to be focused in the morning, like I need some energy, but I also want to make sure that I'm not um, only taking one thing, maybe I want to, you know, incorporate a few things. Is there a benefit to taking multiple versus just taking one adaptogen? And if so, why? I generally think more is better, <laughs> but, but I'm a, a huge, like, you know, adaptogen junkie. And I think really importantly looking at if you, let's say you are your exact example, you're stressed. Um, but you also, what was it low energy? You had said, I need focus and energy. Focus. Yes. Focus and energy. So potentially considering like a lion's mane, right? Which is a great adaptogen for focus. Uh, maybe a gram, right? A gram to two grams a day would be a really great uh, starting place for lion's mane. And then potentially including in something like an ashwagandha, which is more of a, uh, a really well-known and well-studied, well-researched adaptogen um, that can support with stress and sleep. Uh, and support with energy. So I think it's a nice one to combine. I wouldn't, um, and I, I, I think the only reason why I'd say more is not better is if you're not clear on the benefit you're looking for and the way in which you'll measure the results. And so this is like, you know, kind of fundamental nutrition uh, coaching, which would be don't change too much at once. Hmm. And so change things that you can track the impacts of. And, and this is, I think, something that on podcasts, I'll often kind of do a little rant on, but something that I'm painfully aware of is like people that are into supplements and adaptogens, if you open their cupboard, they've got way too much. They've got mm. a ton of bottles in there yes. and they couldn't point to what was working and what's not. And so I'm really cognizant of, and I'm really excited about the future where we've got individualized wellness dialed in enough that we can really support people identifying how to actually change their health and know what changed it. Instead of saying, well, I'm taking 15 different things and I feel great. That's good. But what if, what are those 15 things are really making the difference? And I'd hate to see people just stuck in the place of taking 15 things all the time. 
So it's kind of like over supplementation because we're unaware and we're unclear in what's actually helping us. I think that's still a better option than probably stimulant and um, pharmaceutical uh, for sure, if I were to weigh the two, of course, but it's not really helping, I think, even myself or consumers be more informed and more um, empowered to stay healthy on an individualized level. So that's just the one the one reason I'd say more is not better, start relatively simple, and then, of course, integrate more. Uh, you know, most of our products and at Organifi, we blend a lot of, you know, maybe multiple adaptogens in one blend for the reason that we know together they're going to work really, really well. So we have, you know, maybe the product's about energy. It's red juice, right? The focus is it's got, um, you know, cordyceps, reishi, and uh, Siberian ginseng in it, all of which are going to be adaptogenic and support natural focused enduring energy so we think that more is better in that blend but we're also uh, really cognizant of the blending of those three so you could take any one of those in potentially a higher dose and maybe get the same benefit but we love kind of the combined benefit of the three so yeah Yeah, i like that how long does it take you to actually feel the difference so if you are trying to navigate the waters of what's actually helping me how do you know if what you're taking is helping you or making a difference? Like, I, you, you touched on that before. Sorry. How do you know, like, if what you're taking is making a difference? Like, how how quickly should you feel it within the short term? Two factors that affect this. And this is like, the you know, again, personal trainer or coach in me that's like, well, it depends. Here's yeah, it yeah, depends yeah. On. Two things that I really focus on um, that are dependence on this are going to be the state you're starting from. So like how messed up is your digestion? How frequently are you not digesting food well and or in a less than optimal way? And that's the digestion um, example. And then with your current state of stress, how much is that perpetuated? So are you continuing to stay in the environment and or continue to eat the food that's also disrupting your digestion as you integrate adaptogens? So there's a bit of a component of self-awareness there, um, current state that you're beginning to consume adaptogens in, and then also um, kind of where, where you've come from, I guess, historical and then current state. So those two. And as a, a baseline, you know, we we have customers that feel a difference immediately. So first, first dose, so like, oh my gosh, you know, my energy was amazing, my mental clarity, you know, I slept like a baby right away. We have a lot of customers that email in, they're like, I'm very dissatisfied because it's been two days and I haven't, you know, my my life hasn't transformed, <laughs> my my health hasn't transformed. And we really recommend a minimum of 30 days, consistent use. And so what's also unique about adaptogens is it's as it's a dose, um, component, it requires time to actually build up in the system and support your hormones becoming dysregulated and becoming imbalanced. So you can imagine, depending on how much damage you've done and kind of the place you're starting in, you should give your body that amount of time and equal and equivalent amount of time. Yeah. So if you're looking to optimize, it should be shorter. If you're looking to like transform your state of health, give yourself a minute. <laughs> Give yourself 30 to 60 to 90 days of consistent use. And that's tough. You know, people are saying, I don't know if this is working. Well, how long have you used it? Like, well, I've used it a little bit for the last, you know, 30 days. Well, how often? Mm, You know, maybe 10 times. Well, what happened to the other 20 days? Yeah, (laughs) seriously. A lot of time when you didn't add that benefit to your physiology and body. So I think that's a really helpful um, context for people, for folks to consider state they're coming in at and then current state of stress. That is such a good rule of thumb and such a good reminder because I do feel like we are impatient people in general. 
And I, I am too. I am too. I, look, <laughs> I'm I'm the I the definition of impatient, I'm there. He opened the yeah. open the dictionary. And so it's hard sometimes to look back and actually see what it is that got us where we are, the state that we're in. Because yeah. it, you know, whether it's we talked about this before, you know, amenorrhea and struggling to get your period back or you were injured in a workout and now you're trying to build your fitness back or even you were sick. You know, my my kids have been sick literally for two months straight and I've not really been working out and that's been really hard on me. But, you know, the hardest part's really going to be getting back into it and recognizing you've had you haven't been consistent in two months. So yeah. it's going to take about that much time to get back into it. You've got to give yourself a, another two months. And one of the ways that I think women really struggle with is, you know, the whole postpartum period is like, mm. it's been, I've had a baby six weeks ago and I'm not back to where I should be. And, you know, I don't have my body back or I, I'm not, do, I'm not in the gym yet. Or it's like, that was a nine month physical transformation stress, not to mention now, you know, putting that that postpartum period, you're dealing with a new level of stress. So in general, I just think we ne- we don't give ourselves enough grace. And we we put way too much pressure on ourselves to like, shift back or see change or actually get the results that we want when the human body is genius and amazing. But it also takes time because it took time to dig us into that hole. And so it takes time to dig you out. No, there's so much there, Noel. I um, I'm fascinated by correctly designing, and I said it correctly with like a little asterisk by it, correctly designing the perception of progress at any point. And so, as you mentioned, like the callouts are so good and so true, and I've I've experienced many of those at different stages to be dissatisfied with where my state of health was compared to where I wanted it to be or where I thought it needed to be, and struggled to design like the progress marking that would keep me motivated and and also like even the felt experience of being on track. So we have to be at this, you know, <laughs> we have to be more um more practical in our way and and much more graceful with ourselves in how we actually perceive even the path to getting to where we want to, whether it's postpartum, which is such a good example. And like just so much work the body gets to go through. And there's so so much, I think, um, incredible. My sister just has, she has an eight month old right now. And so it's been so incredible to experience her journey. I haven't had any kids of my own yet. And so just experiencing that and like what the body is capable of is mind blowing. And just the pressure to like get back to where we were. I have this, um, this, uh, you know, I really enjoy talking about the different, the different milestones of, of healthy living and how at any, at any age we should be, we could be, I'll say it could very intentionally as well. We could be focused on defining our best state of health for where we are instead yeah. of an over and above trying to get back to any state. So like I'm, you know, I'm 35 now. I'm really clear that my state of health is not going to be um, comparable to when I was 25. And even me trying to recreate and remanufacture that lifestyle, you know, working out seven days a week or whatever, it wouldn't be healthy right now for me. Right. And I wouldn't even achieve my best state of health doing that. And so I think it's so hopefully um, freeing to consider at this stage for me at 35, what does like my optimal state of health look like? You know, and I, I'm grateful to be in probably the healthiest state I've been in physically, even over and above when I was working out seven days a week and intermittent fasting and experiencing things like amenorrhea, right? Mm-hmm. Like doing all the right things for that, 
um, time in my life, but totally out of balance. What was your aha moment when you were realizing, okay, I'm doing all the healthy things, but now I am out of balance? And how did you kind of get on the track to balance? Yeah, my my aha was uh, going into amenorrhea. So losing my cycle when I was 26 and maybe 27 and checking all the boxes as a personal trainer at the time in the wellness industry, health industry, like even then we were doing intermittent fasting, right? So all the trainers were doing intermittent fasting 10 years ago, 12 years ago, which now it seems so funny that it's like mass public. But the lesson was, you know, I was intermittent fasting. I was very much over-exercising, but in my mind, I was exercising so much. Like, how could I not be healthy? I was eating a paleo diet. So I was eating like the most nutrient-rich foods I could get. And I did two tests. I did a nutrient level test and I was deficient in so many areas, so much more so than when I was eating a low quality diet prior to paleo. And so I just realized I was excluding way too much food. Uh, I was going way too low carb and I was intermittent fasting. So I was also like narrowing my eating window. And as a woman, especially exercising, I was, I was uh, exercising, I was weightlifting in a fasted state multiple times a week. And just the wake up call was losing my cycle and thinking, wow, this is a very clear communication from my body that this is not working. There's no reason why, you know, a 27 year old should lose their cycle. So experiencing way too much physiological stress from doing the perceived right things, which was, Mm -hmm. you know, eating in a very healthy, restrictive way uh, and exercising a lot. And so um, it took six months of a lot less exercising a lot of these like really kind of gross, um, nourishing shakes. And part of why I do what I do now is like making getting healthy, really enjoyable and integrating really uh, important foods like chassberry and stuff and amazing adaptogens in our diet, uh, especially as women to support our cycles and balance in a much more enjoyable way. But I did a lot of like really intense uh, gut repairing and um, nourishing refeeding of my body for six months before I got my cycle back. And that took a lot of, I worked with an ND at the time, so a naturopath, and she really helped me stay focused and stay patient and not freak out. <laughs> And I did, certainly did. (laughs) Like, what is happening here? Yeah. Uh, There's a wake up call that all those, you know, doing the right thing, uh, seemingly, and like the most kind of extreme healthy behaviors totally have a dose response. And it was so important for me to learn that if I didn't ask myself, is this working for me at any state, whether I was trying any new thing or going back to any old way, I had to ask myself that. And look at how is my body responding? Am I less stressed? Am I, am I seeing the results that I, that I anticipate in a healthy way? If there's one piece of advice I can pass along to you in 2023, it's that the basics still work. Supporting your body with bioavailable nutrients, movement, sunshine, and sleep will do more for you than any biohack. And one of the basic things I do on a daily basis is supplement with minerals, specifically magnesium. The truth of the matter is most people are deficient in magnesium, and it is so important for our physiology. It plays a role in detoxification, digestion, energy production, stress management, and even our heart rhythm. If you have experienced chronic stress or sleep issues, which often go hand in hand, one of the common downward effects is magnesium deficiency. 
Magnesium increases GABA, which encourages relaxation on the cellular level and is critical for sleep. And because stress depletes magnesium, it's no wonder why people struggle with sleep when stressed, including myself. Stress and not sleeping means you need more magnesium. I personally take a compound magnesium supplement every night before bed, specifically Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It has seven unique forms, and getting a variety will help you experience its calming and sleep-enhancing effects. The recommended dose is two capsules before bed, but you can definitely adjust and tinker with that depending on your own personal needs and stress. For our exclusive offer, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed10. In addition to a 10% discount, you can use the promo code wellfed10 to get a special gift with purchase for a limited time only. Bioptimizer's customer service is outstanding. I've had a number of you reach out and talk about how helpful they are. And they will refund you, no questions asked, if something doesn't work for you, which I really love about them. Again, that's Mag Breakthrough, so M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash wellfed and use the code wellfed10 to get a special gift with purchase. What's your routine like now? Talk to me about, because, it, you know, being a CEO and trying to work out and have a life and have a marriage and a balance and then, you know, not get into that like super stressed out state again. What's your routine like now and what adaptogens do you use to like support that balance? Love that. My routine, my ritual is much much more uh, graceful. So I'll have a lot more adaptive sense for what I'm going to commit to and what my workout what my workout looks like, essentially what my nutrition looks like. Um, I have a, you know, our household is, is luckily in the nutrition and fitness industry. My husband's a nutritionist and personal trainer. And then of course I run Organifi as a CEO. So very focused in healthy living and, and really the lifestyle of healthy living. So I have a lot of support in my household. So I will give that as a caveat. Um, Currently, though, I exercise much, much less. And again, I'm literally in the best, healthiest shape that I've been in a long, long, long time. And it's focused on exercise that I really enjoy. So, you know, kind of with a little bit of embarrassment, I will say that I I, uh, play pickleball like four times a week. (laughs) And so I'm really focused on, and this is coming from a personal trainer background, I was very focused on like literally six or seven days a week weightlifting, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, upper lower split, like very focused on uh, training. And I would get very irritated if I didn't get my work on in. Now I am so focused on like my current level of stress, what my uh, agenda looks like for literally the week, let alone the day. And if that dictates, you know, I'm looking at exercise as a way to support my stress levels. And if yes. it's ever a stressful day, I'm not adding it in because one, that's the times when I get injured. That's the time when I don't have fun uh, when I'm out there on the court and or doing cross training exercise in my garage, like um, very, very clear on my boundaries around what exercise and nutrition are for me and very much like for me, not to me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So um yeah, I would say definitely sitting here with a much better boundaries. And it's not something that I would say I've got figured out, but I've got a lot more graceful approach to and a much more adaptive approach to. Hence, using adaptogens. Uh, currently, I really use you know a lot of our products, of course, as a key benefit. But the, the kind of um, never go without adaptogens that I'll call out are green juice with the ashwagandha, just for like a keystone stress mitigator and a, kind of the best research adaptogen being ashwagandha. 
similar to how in the exercise industry, we always use creatine and amino acids as like the key things that were best researched. So I always like kind of focusing on that area where science meets lifestyle. So ashwagandha is like key. You take that in the morning as part of our green juice. And I mix it with our Harmony, which is our women's hormone product, which I absolutely love coming from my background and experience 10 years ago. I'm really keen to manage my state of wellness as a woman specifically. And so that product has just this nourishing blend of shatavari, um, uh, maca, and chasberry, which are really great and nourishing for women's hormone cycle. So I do a little extra on the women's hormone support and I blend it with my green juice in the morning. That's like hands down uh, post coffee, mind you. So I've got kind yes. of routine miso coffee. Uh, a green juice and that is a, that's a that's a drink sequential thing you got going on. I like it's it. A, it's it's very key. And then lastly, <laughs> uh, pre exercise and kind of as a again being in the uh, personal training industry, there's a lot of pre workouts, a lot of like low quality stimulants that people took, amino acids, something to support energy. I currently take and love our red juice, which has the cordyceps mushroom, the reishi, and the Siberian ginseng, and it also has beetroot in it. So I love it for a kind of circulation uh, boost and benefit. And I mix it with our Pure, so one more product, um, which has lion's mane and a neurofactor, which is basically a coffee berry for focus. So it helps me uh, improve my reaction speeds and and uh, dominate on the pickleball court. <laughs> <laughs> That's your secret. You're giving That's out my secret. Tricks. I know. Don't tell anybody, but uh, that is my... Uh, my upper hand for sure. So those are my kind of never go without. And and I only really take that blend, the red juice and the, the pure product when I'm exercising. So I really make it lifestyle adaptive. Um, I, you know, I don't currently suffer from low energy and I don't suffer from um, foggy cognition. Otherwise, I'd take those daily. So I think a key call out, I no matter what, take the ashwagandha and um, the women's uh, hormone product Harmony daily, just because current stress levels being in my seat are relatively high on the regular. And so I mitigate some of that uh, adaptive stress response with those two products daily. Got it. I love it. Okay. So I want to round out with some adaptogen tips for people, because these are Mm, always the questions that I get when we when we start talking about adaptogens. So where do you recommend someone starts with adaptogens? If they've never tried anything before, what's something that they should start? So my favorite, start with the ashwagandha. It's just a really master, well-researched uh, adaptogen, key for just stress regulation. So key uh, active kind of impact is on cortisol regulation to help balance, you know, stress and really seeing that happen um, or cascade to sleep, uh, energy, of course, even digestion, libido, there's just incredible clinicals on it. So I'd start with ashwagandha as an easy one. And the one caveat to that is if you have a key area that you want to focus on, let's say digestion or something, um, or let's say like, let's say it is energy, then you may want to focus with a more direct uh, adaptogen like cordyceps or something. So something specifically for that. Uh, and there's, again, beautiful research on adaptogens across the board, uh, whether that be a lot of the mushrooms that are out there, which are gaining a ton of popularity, which is awesome, and or just the great like traditional herbs that people have used for all kinds of amazing things. What is the benefit? This is kind of an off the cuff question, but like, I find that when I'm drinking adaptogens, I feel like they work a little bit more readily. And I'm wondering if now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably because it's an effective dose. Whereas if you try to take a bunch of pills, so like, do you recommend 
people take pills or that it is there a reason that you are more passionate about the drinks and actually making it in a liquid form? And why is that? Mm, okay. So it, it depends. I, I recommend taking the form that you are going to take regularly. So what we've taken a lot of time and attention and kind of poured energy into it, Organifi, is making really delicious adaptogen blends so much so that you crave these drinks that are delicious and healthy. We also added, you know, intentionally blended the other ingredients that are in the formulation to support the ultimate outcome. So for instance, we have the, you know, beetroot with the rhodiola and cordyceps in our red juice to help with circulation, which also helps maximize the impact and the absorption of those adaptogens. So there's like additional benefits. If for any reason, you know, that's inconvenient and you're having a hard time taking a, I really like something to drink. It's something that kind of helps my in-between meals and helps me feel more satiated. So I love the drinkable adaptogen format. The taste is the key thing. So it has to taste good and it has to be something that I'm going to enjoy consuming rather than like 10 years ago when people were trying to consume like high dose of chlorella and having a very hard time because it was horrible tasting. So that's a caveat. It's got to taste good if it's a drink. And if you can't find a good source, then capsules are amazing. You know, it's something where you can just pop in and you don't have to worry about it. Sometimes it's just a lot of capsules to take. And so... You know, we make travel packs on purpose. That's really easy to travel with. And we have a couple capsule blends that we know, um, for instance, Andrographis in our critical immune tastes like death. So there's no <laughs> way we're going to try to put the clinical dose in a formulation. Believe me, I've, I've sent my uh, head of product, Shanae, uh, for that mission so many times. And she's like, mate, it's impossible. Literally, it's impossible. So we try our best. But those that we can't make taste wonderful and craveable, we don't cut corners and we just put it in a capsule. So there's that context too. If you can't get the effective dose in a beverage form or a different format, my goodness, just take the capsule. Maybe it's six or 12 of them, but it's worth taking the capsule, believe me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Are there times that certain adaptogens work better than others? You know, I can't call anything out in particular outside of the relation to when it's needed. So adaptogens are going to work best when you're out of balance. Um, And so they do their work in that spot of homeostasis. And you can kind of look at it on that spectrum of like, you know, major dysregulation of hormones, adaptogens are going to do their best work. It will take the longest to see the effect. Then as you look at the opposite side of the spectrum, which is optimization and optimal performance, high doses of adaptogens are going to be that performance enhancement, which is awesome. And the felt effect may be faster. For instance, another example is like I just started dosing with a high dose of lion's mane, which is kind of like some some morning um, focus that I really like. So I'm taking like a gram of lion's mane and I already take pure, I already take our products. I generally focus well, but I wanted to just knock out some, some serious um, budget work, which I was like, okay. I'm not going to do. I, I won't, I won't survive this. So I was like, all right, head of products, Shania, can you send me like our, what we source for our products? Can I get the capsule form high dose? Like let's roll, let's try this on. And literally the first time I took it, I couldn't move myself from my seat. I was just jamming away on spreadsheets, like very focused. So the felt effect might be faster and more direct at the the, kind of the far end of that spectrum for performance optimization. But the adaptogen is not doing its best work, you could say, right? The best work is where where it's really dysregulating your hormones and keeping you in balance. So I was getting the, the felt effect on the other side. So I think it's just important to recognize where they're most important is really helping us balance our hormones and balance our state of wellness and mitigate stress. 
I'm going to make a note to uh, reach out to you for the lion's mane and capsule form. <laughs> so, so I'm ready for it. <laughs> I got a great recommendation for you. <laughs> like, this sounds awesome. But okay, can you come so enjoyable for every single day? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other note really quick is special population. So I do think breastfeeding and or pregnant women. Yes, yeah. um, and then like kind of the adolescent years where you've got intentional hormone dysregulation, meaning, you know, for women in, in those two stages, hormones are out of whack, right? Even going through menopause, hormones are like crazy, kind of on purpose. And there is some balance that you want to do, but being really mindful of and working with your natural path or, you know, whoever you have in, in your corner to support you in that uh, process, being really mindful of why and when you take adaptogens, because they will balance your dysregulated hormones. Mm-hmm. And in that stage, like it's pretty intentional. We want crazy hormones <laughs> for a reason, yeah. right? Like, important different things are happening. So I think there needs to be a lot more research. And of course, for good reason, that population is really tough to research. And there's not many people signing up for like experimenting during pregnancy with yeah. you know herbs and stuff. So I think it's going to take us a while to get clear on it. Um, anecdotally, you know, again, my my herbalist and our head of product used tons of adaptogens during all of her pregnancies and loves that. But I wouldn't be able to recommend it to anybody because of the lacking research. And I'm really cognizant of it. And then on the other spectrum, adolescents, when their hormones are crazy and out of whack by design, um, that's another time that like probably a hormone balancing adaptogen isn't best suited um, unless you want to like tone down your your teenagers raging hormones. I don't know. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's the best time. I can't tell you, Noel. I don't know. Yeah. But coming into... I, I feel like there is like a point time. in the supplement world. Like, you know, I, I've done some research and it's definitely like when they're like 14. I can't, I don't, I, I can't remember the exact age. So nobody quote me on this. This is not medical advice, right. but it's like me when either. they're 14, they're kind of considered like the, they can have the adult dose. <laughs> so it's like, right. okay, well, that's okay. Well, just make it to 14 and then we can, we can work exactly. on it there. Um, last question, do adaptogens have any side effects or is there anything that people need to be aware of when it comes to taking them that might impact them negatively? I will always give the caveat that, um, there's a lot of work to be done for individualized wellness across all supplements, all, you know, all ways of, um, extracting a benefit of an ingredient or food and taking it, (laughs) you know, so I think there's a lot. There's a lot to be researched and understood better. We we know 1% of what, you know, food does for us, literally like polyphenols and the benefits of plants. Like we just don't know. Um, so I will, I will give that huge caveat. And then I will say that by definition, adaptogens adapt with the body. So they're very, very safe. Some of the, the qualifications of adaptogens are that they have no, um, no known adverse effect. So like by definition, adaptogens are very, very safe, which is very cool. Different from and in contrast to stimulants, which you can take that act on your body re- irregardless or regardless, right? It's regardless. It's regardless. regardless. Yeah. But we all say irregardless now because yeah, it, it's not a word. Regardless. Irregardless. <laughs> regardless of your current state. So um, I think that's most important. And then as anybody were to hear this advice and this information, like, I hope that the take home message is also to really focus on developing self-awareness and more um, personalized sense of wellness. So outside of all the great recommendations and all the great, you know, plans out there, still asking the question of, is this working for me? And how would I know? Like those are like 
and something I consistently am working on and hope that I get the reminder of more frequently than, you know, I'm probably ready for is asking that same question myself. So. May, this was so helpful. I've, I got to ask all my adaptogen questions. So I appreciate you being here. And I know this is going to be really helpful for people moving forward, especially women in the current state of the world where, you know, we're all just trying to trying to make it and trying to, you know, live life to the fullest while also managing stress, which can can be a balance. So I appreciate you answering all of these questions. And is there a place besides Organifi, is there a place that anybody can kind of follow you or keep up with your work and what you're doing? You know, uh, thank you. And and first, Noelle, it's been such a treat. This conversation is so much fun. And just remembering that we are very much in this together. I've been through a lot of this and anticipate like consistently keeping this conversation and kind of just how to be a healthy woman today yeah. and focus is fascinating and um, obviously personally relevant. <laughs> That's yeah. something that I'm passionate about. But um, LinkedIn is a great spot to message me. I'm I'm awful at social media, just caveat. So I'm on Instagram, but I'm not on Instagram. Yeah. And luckily, and so LinkedIn is the best spot to DM me and really welcome any follow-up questions or anything. Just love the conversation. Miss being very connected to our, our customers, even more so. I used to be more on the coaching side and, and customer side. So love any questions that would come forward and hope that um, in any way I can be supportive uh, for what you're doing. So I'm so inspired by this message and just the podcast and space you've uh, created, Noel. Thank you. Thank you, May. And we will link to uh, the things mentioned today in the show notes. For more from me, you can go to coconutsandcutabalt.com. We've got all the show notes listed there. Just click podcast at the top. And thanks for being here, guys. We will talk to you next week.